Good morning. I'm Melanie Malone, and glad to see all of you here today. Um, thanks for praying over the scripture. I, when I saw the message, I was like, oh, praying about demons. Um, scary. I grew up in a black church, and so demons were a big thing. And like, I was like, all right, I guess I can do this. So um, our scripture today comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Um, and here it is. Jesus and his followers went into Capernaum. Immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and started teaching. The people were amazed by his teaching, for he was teaching them with authority, not like the legal experts. Suddenly, there in the synagogue, a person with an evil spirit screamed, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. Silence, Jesus said, speaking harshly to the demon. Come out of him. The unclean spirit shook him and screamed. Then it came out. Everyone was shaken and questioned among themselves. What's this? A new teaching with authority? He even commands unclean spirits and they obey him. Right away, the news about him spread throughout the entire region of Galilee. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. All right. God is good, but I also do that so I can increase the font on my thing. Uh, but we're uh, in our series, we're continuing our series in Mark, and we've got all the way to the halfway point of Mark chapter 1. And uh, so we'll continue walking along in this passage, in this uh, gospel. Um, but previously in Mark, uh, we know that John the Baptist came in the desert preaching the good news and preaching repentance and the kingdom of God at hand, and that someone would come, Jesus, the Messiah would come, who was much greater than him, um, and baptize people with fire. And uh, people came. There was definitely a movement a movement. Why else would people go into the desert in droves? Something was happening. Lives were being changed. Hearts were uh, being changed. And they felt something for the first time, maybe felt something new, felt something unique, felt something um, that mattered. Uh, and, uh, you know, last week I asked the question, like, when's the last time you felt something in church that was new, that was unique, that that really moved your heart and moved your soul, moved and compelled you uh, to life change and heart change. And this is what's happening, I think, in the desert because people needed something more. People were so thirsty and so hungry, and they're coming to the desert for living water. Amen? And uh, Jesus then is baptized, and the Holy Spirit comes down. God blesses Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit possesses Jesus, and Jesus is immediately driven to the wilderness where he goes into um, basic training mode, basically, 40 hours, or 40, not 40 hours, 40 days in the wilderness, being tempted, not eating, fasting, being challenged by the elements, mentally, spiritually, physically, um, under duress, and comes out of that still still intact and ready to go, ready to uh, move into uh, the ministry that 
um, is coming. He emerges from the trial in the wilderness ready for battle. Um, and then last week, he's, he gathered to himself. He goes from, the deep, from deep within Fisherman's Terminal in Salmon Bay where the commercial fishermen are fishing. Uh, that's in Seattle, but they were in, <laughs> in this, by the Sea of Galilee. Um, and he calls his first four newly minted disciples, right, um, to himself, and they follow him. So he's got four disciples, and this, our scripture today says that he goes into Capernaum ready. It doesn't say he's ready for battle, but he's ready, he's ready, and he's armed with four fishermen ready to go into battle. And the battle is that um, Jesus' authority will be challenged. Jesus' authority will be challenged in the next chapters of Mark. Um, people from left and right, from all walks, uh, religious experts, religious leaders are going to come and confront them. By what authority do you do this? Why are you doing this? Who are you that you should speak this way or heal on the Sabbath? Or even cast out demons. Who are you to do this? So he's being challenged. And Jesus is going to come and bring his own brand, his own unique special authority. This authority that can only come from the word that was at the very beginning. Come to earth, right? To speak that which is true. To speak that which is the gospel. That which... Um, uh, the gospel of salvation um, to all people. So he's ready and he's entering the fray. <clears throat> in, God, in the gospel of Mark, uh, in all the gospels, in fact, and especially highlighted in Mark, uh, Jesus demonstrates a unique, per particular, never seen before ministry. And it's highlighted by three things. By teaching with authority by demon casting and healing. And the people, like they did with John the Baptist, begin to come to him in droves because they resonate, they, they need, and their, their needs, the felt need is being met by Jesus. And it's, he's relevant. All the good things, hashtag relevant, hashtag this is real, hashtag blessed. They're coming and Jesus is healing, Jesus is casting out demons. Um, and he's teaching a new teaching. Um, and as Jesus carries this particular and peculiar authority, um, again, like I said, he'll begin to, we'll see him being challenged from all directions by other authorities. So he and his four new, newly minted disciples go into Capernaum, which, is there a map? Choo! There we go. So, okay, let's just do a geography lesson here. This is Galilee, named after the Sea of Galilee in the center there. Jesus is from Nazareth, down here. And Capernaum is on the north, northwest, north side of the Sea of Galilee, a fishing town. Um, and uh, that's where he is. And Capernaum was established in the second century BC, um, and that had, at the time of Jesus' ministry, it had a population of about 1,500, so 
a village. Um, and there have been archaeological excavations um, that have revealed that there was actually two synagogues, one built on top of the other um, in, this, in the site there. Um, and then later on, they discover a house uh, that was turned into a church by the Byzantines. And this house, church, is believed to have been St. Peter's house because Peter lived in Capernaum. And evidence in the gospel shows that Jesus actually kind of migrated away from Nazareth and made Capernaum his second home. This is his home. His ministry centers in Capernaum. And, you know, Mark chapter 2 may suggest that he had his own home in Capernaum because it says when he went to his house. Um, but most people think that Jesus actually, went, when he was in Capernaum, stayed with Peter's mom and Peter in their house. So uh, Capernaum is a very important place, and it's a place where G a lot of Jesus' healings, miracles, teachings, and ministry happen. Um, and then the other thing, uh, that's Capernaum, but the synagogue, which is the place where our scripture is set, what is the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue? Um, the synagogues were not like the temple in Jerusalem. It's not the temple, but they're more like local uh, community centers, local community centers in the small towns and villages uh, where prayer happened, yes, where worship happened, where teaching of the scriptures happened. But more than that, um, um, there are other activities which included reading of the law, and instructing, but the structure also provided lodging for strangers, facilities for dining and water and hostel service services. People in need would come to the synagogues for a meal, um, for lodging. Um, so, um, and actually, um, actually, uh, let's see, there's a whole list here. Uh, prayer, festivals, holy day, communal dining, treasury, museum, Doc, documentary archive and school, refuge, manumission, council hall, court, and society ha house. So actually only a small percentage of the, the, the structure of the synagogue was used for religious activity solely. But it was much more. It was the center of, you know, life in the village. It was the gathering spot. It was... It was the town hall meeting. It was the community centers. But also, the intention there was also, it was wide open for those in need to come. And that's why I think when you read the, in the Gospels, uh, Jesus does so much in the synagogues, right? Jesus comes to the synagogues, and people who are needing healing or, or needing demons to be cast out are coming in droves to the synagogues, um, or rather, Jesus is going to where the people are gathered. The people are in need, who are wanting the food or wanting the healing, are already gathered in the synagogues, and Jesus is going to those places and meeting people where they're at. We also read in Acts, right? What's the first places that Peter and the other disciples go, right? In the manner and the tradition of Jesus, it says in Acts, Peter and his disciples go into the synagogues and begin teaching and debating, and they also heal people in the synagogue. So not only is it a place where religious scholars and religious teachers and rabbis are teaching and responding openly to one another, it, 
it's not like, it wasn't like this, right? Here's what, the Pastor Dave is preaching, right? If someone stood up and started talking and dialoguing with me, we'd kind of be like, sit down, boy. Um, but <laughs> like, maybe, I would probably be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we'd find it, it, we'd find it kind of awkward, whereas in a synagogue, it'd be more different teachers and rabbis coming in and reading the scrolls, reading the scriptures, and teaching and speaking and saying, uh, this is what I think, and another person saying, oh, this is, this is my tradition, this is what I think about that, what's that saying, what about this scripture, and there's kind of a more dialogical culture in that place, so it's not all too odd that Jesus in the gospel several times is seen, you know, standing up, Luke chapter 4, standing up and reading from the scroll, or going to this uh, synagogue in Capernaum and just teaching. What's different about Jesus' teaching is that what we read from the response of the crowd or the people there is that they were amazed by his teaching, for he was teaching them with authority, not like the legal experts or the scribes. And the scribes, the legal experts, are the PhDs of theology in the place. They knew the scriptures. They knew the law. And they had the flowing robes, and, but Jesus was coming in and something about the way he held himself, maybe, something about the way that he taught, something in his manner, just as the disciples who were fishermen dropped their nets and followed Jesus, there was something in the way that Jesus taught that the people were like, we have never seen authority like this ever Right? This, is something, this is something new, and it's cutting our hearts, and, and we're responding to the scripture. And actually, uh, that word, I don't usually like to dive into the Greek, but uh, because it just is like, oh, I'm an MDiv, right? Master of divinity. I'm being a scribe, right? Somehow that me using Greek lends to my authority, and somehow now you will listen more because I know the Greek, Right? Jesus didn't need the Greek, right? Jesus didn't need, like, all the stuff, the accoutrements, uh, the funny stories, right? The, the, all of that stuff. Jesus spoke with authority, and the word authority here is exousia, exousia, and that's the Greek ex and usia, and ex, we know right there, exit, right, out of. Uh, and then usia is a form of to be, just to be, right? So it's uh, basically Jesus' authority is out of being, out of his being, right? He just is, right? So common parlance of young people today with, would be him, right? Jesus was him. He's him. Right? Do you, understand? Do you know? I'm him. Okay. Tell you more? Okay. Well, Deion Sanders, when he was interviewed uh, the other week, was like, I'm him. Right? Don't talk to me about this and this. I'm him. Because he actually did it. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm him. And that's what high schoolers say. You're not him. Well, that's what my son says to me. You're not him. <laughs> right? You're not that guy. Basically, it's, that's what it means. <laughs> but exousia, Jesus speaking with authority, means that Jesus is that guy. Jesus is him. 
He was the word at the beginning. Right? And when he spoke, he spoke as if, like if he was speaking about the creation story, Genesis, he spoke as if he was actually there. Because he was, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? Jesus was there at creation. And when he speaks about God and the word of God and the Torah, it's not just, you know, Greek words or Hebrew words and like intellect and all of that stuff. It's coming from someone who actually knows God, who is God, right? And the people know this. They can smell this on Jesus. They can smell the odor of authenticity and of he being himness, right? He's that guy. And Jesus, that's the authority that we're talking about. Not, not fluff, not like em- empty intellectualizing, but just true to himself. He is the actual word. Um, but then suddenly, there's an interruption. Suddenly, there in the synagogue, a person with an evil spirit screamed. I was going to do a scream, but I don't think I have the courage. (laughs) What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I need more confidence before I do that. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. Now, I was thinking about this, like, in our sanctuary, it would probably be very disruptive, right? If someone shrieked, right, and said, David, well, I'm not Jesus, I'm not saying I'm Jesus and God. David, your name is David, I know who you are. And we'd be like, awkward, we're security, we're too small for security, um, what's happening Uh, but based on what you know I've already said about the synagogue a gathering place perhaps it's already messy and loud in there Um, there's there's it's just stuffy and like a lot of people and uh, so it might not have been too strange of a thing for someone to yell out especially as there are many people with maladies, um, like if we were on the streets of Seattle, for, for to say, like there's mental illness, there's you know people that are interrupting us, our daily clean lives, right? Every day, on, on the exits of the highway, right? Saying, you know, my family's in need, and I just. I don't have any change, right? It's like interruptions. And and this is what happens. And it's a loud interruption. It's a shriek, the scriptures say. And, uh, you know, we're uh, interceding. We're prayer walking this morning, uh, 9.15 to 9.45 every Sunday morning. That's that's my plug for prayer time, morning prayer time on Sundays. Uh, But it was a really good prayer time. Just, just thinking about the space that we have here, uh, the actual facility of this church, that it can 
like where it's where we're located and where just what's going on around us this is a gathering space whether you're here to know it or not you know we have a parking ride here we have people camping out we have 164 so literally tens and thousands of cars pass this intersection every day every week right we're at the crossroads right alderwood mall boulevard going that way to alderwood and all the good good food there there is now <laughs> and mill creek that way edmonds the other way right everett and Mukilteo th that way uh that way <laughs> um and you know you guys don't see this but i get emails and phone calls from realtors many many times saying are you, do you guys want to sell your building <laughs> like because in terms of market value this place is hot because there's all kinds of things building up right it's very valuable to realtors but you know what it's valuable in the kingdom of god god wants to do something in this place the people are coming do you see them the harvest is coming those who are in need of healing, those who are in need of new life, those who are in need of living water are coming, are coming, and can come, and will continue to come. And the question is, to us is, will we open the doors? Will we open our hearts? Will we open our lives to be carriers of good news to all those around us, to be uh, Jesus's ambassadors of healing right and evil busters right like ghostbusters but evil busters um, to the community around us are you with me church yes. so we're in this community center someone shrieks out uh, and he casts Jesus well one um, the evil spirit knows the name of Jesus, right? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. And Jesus says with authority, silence, speaking harshly to the demon. That was my best harsh sound. Come out of him. The unclean spirit shook him and screamed, then come out. We'll go on to 27 later, but everyone was shaken, right? You have the shaking of this man, and then people who are witnessing this are shaken. Uh, shaken by the sheer power of this confrontation, right? And I think I'll take this moment to talk about demons and demon casting. I'm not one who's experienced too many incidents of like demons actually being exercised or manifesting in people or coming out of people. I've never been an exorcist or anything like that. And maybe in our Western world, in our modern church here in America, we don't experience, you know, that kind of ministry. Uh, maybe in other cultures like the black church or the Pentecostal church, there's more so of that happening. But I would say in glo the global church movement and Pentecostalism, global Pentecostalism, you hear 
reports and stories of that happening all the time. People being raised from the dead. You know, physical healings and demons being cast out of people. Um, perhaps we're more educated, more cynical, or I don't know. Or maybe our type of demons, we either have an explanation for what they are and a more kind of medical recourse for certain things that may have been called demons back in the day, but we know as what mental illness or this or that, and we have medication for that, we have therapy for that. Or um, perhaps we're more prone to the systemic and institutional type of evil, right? Whether that's the foundation of racism and supremacy in our nation, that our nation was built upon, and kind of the structures that oppress and affect and hurt people all the time. Maybe not you personally, but the system as a whole affecting education, children coming up um, the educational pipeline, or the incarceration of black and Hispanic males. Those types of things. can be called demonic within the system. It's not like a overt, like, there's this ghost coming out of someone, but there's, there's definitely evil. And what's important is that, as Christians, that we recognize that we're, we're not naive, right? We're not naive that there's resistance as, as much as there's good news and the kingdom of God and the gospel going forth, the flip side is for, for every action, there's an equal and opposite, but not as powerful reaction, right? I've got to change that law, right? There's evil pressing up against that. And we have to become shrewd and wise to those things. We have to be like, it exists, right? And we have to be able to name those things. And I don't know, many of you, if we were to have a testimony time of people telling stories, you can probably say, yeah, there was a time in my life where I witnessed pure evil, right? Or there was a time in my life where I feel I've been oppressed, right? Whether that's a a deep feeling of isolation, loneliness, envy, right? Jealousy, anger, rage. And we've seen that in communities around us and uh, circles of friends and families, right? There's definitely oftentimes demonic things that happen in our families, right? There are sins of the father and sins of the mother and how we um, generational kind of struggles and generational um, dysfunctions. These are all the types of evil things. Evil being, that's not how God intended things to be, right? That's not the flourishing and the peace and the, and the shalom that God wanted among his people. That's, that's like broken, and that's, that's death, right? This, this past week, uh, Ivan, who's our janitor, and uh, also Mark, pointed out to me that, I'm not going to tell you where it is, but that there's a rodent in our church. Right? And uh, we have, and uh, don't worry, don't worry, it's contained. It's being handled. It's being handled. Because I am the rat caster. No. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. 
Um, but we've trapped it, or we've, there's a certain door that's locked because it can't, so it can't come out of there because it only goes through the piping system in the hole in the wall into that place. And so don't open that place. Um, but uh, the reason why you would not want that to get out of that place, because if it gets out of that, beyond that threshold, it'll be in our fellowship hall, in the kitchen, and more, it'll bring its friends, right, and its cousins, and say, look, there's a feature. And as it gets cold and it's raining, they're like, we're trying to get into the warm. And so then it's all about defense, right? Because if you don't defend, if you don't battle, it's, we're going to be like overcome and invaded. Marion's like, like, you're supposed to keep that on the DL, right? Um, uh, where was I going with that rat imagery? It's a, yeah, casting out demons. It's a battle. It's a battle, and that's why I think we see the word immediately so much in Mark, because Jesus is on a purpose and a mission, right? And that purpose and mission is to bring good news and healing and life to people who are hungry and thirsting and are afflicted and dying and struggling. And there's a sense of urgency in that. Right? Just as if you are protecting your own child or your friend or your significant other from physical danger, you would rush to protect them. Or back in the day, you know, when I was single, how I would do the, you know, if I break suddenly, like put my hand out as if I cared about this person. Right? Don't, you know. What? Stop short. Oh, stop short. Right? Sometimes I would break on purpose. I, Oh, I'm a gentleman. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, stop short. Uh, what? It, there's a sense of urgency. Jesus cares, right? But it's not all hunky-dory. We got to realize that. It's not all hunky-dory in our world where we live, right? We can't be naive and innocent and be like, Oh, right? Sunshine. We're just going to love everyone. There are things that are tearing lives apart. Right? And Jesus rushes into that, ready for battle. Right? Ready to fight um, with authority, with his hymnness to fight and, and remove the things that are cap- holding people captive. What are the things that are holding you captive, that have held you captive for years and years? Think about that. What are the things that are, have held the people that you love, that are close to you, captive? You can see it, right? You know, like, I wish that person were just free of that. Right? I wish... That person were just free of that self-loathing because if they saw what I see in them, I, why would they hate themselves? Right? I, 
if that person were just free from that addiction, right, they would be so alive. What are those things that you see? That's what we're talking about. And we may not be Jesus with that authority and that power to cast out demons and that power to heal, but we can be healers, right? And good news carriers and speak words of life to people around us. Amen? We have the authority of Jesus in us to love. Like love is a great weapon, right? Not a violent weapon, but a, you know, a tool. Prayer, like, like I said, we did intercessory prayer this morning, but when we pray, things crumble, right? The walls of hostility come down. The walls, the burdens are broken, right? And people are freed and healed. And I don't know all of your stories in here, but I would say all of us or most of us can say, I'm in need of healing in some way right now and today, amen? I need healing or I need to be freed. I need to be freed of short man's disease, right? Like, it's okay. I'm not short. <laughs> I am short, but God loves me. I say that facetiously, but you know what I'm saying, right? Um, that's when you, see, that's like, I, I need to take that back. I was trying to make a funny one when it was a serious, like, hit it moment. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's not do that again. Um, so Jesus speaks harshly, come out of him. And then verse 27, everyone was shaken just as when the unclean spirit shook the man and screamed and came out. Everyone was shaken and questioned among themselves, what's this, a new teaching with authority? He even commands unclean spirits and they obey him. Right away, the news about him spread throughout the entire region of Galilee. There's that news, right? It's spreading. And that's, it's not spreading because Jesus is handsome or it's not spreading because he's a great orator. It's not spreading because he's got a, a good political campaign or something like that. Or he's like, uh, you know, his entourage is like amazing or he's got a good social media you know, platform or, you know, he's got a good hashtag or something like that. It's spreading because, right, the kingdom is moving and it's good news. And if we remember another, this is, Jesus comes into the synagogue to proclaim his mission, right? He begins his mission immediately from the synagogue. Also in Luke chapter 4, it's a synagogue when Jesus first inaugurates his ministry. He reads, right, quoting in the scroll, Isaiah 61, right? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. What? To proclaim freedom for the captives, good news to the poor, right? Those are who were gathered in the synagogue. And Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment. I am him in this place. I am the fulfillment of the prophecy and the good news going out for the healing and saving of everyone. 
And the people know this, and they feel this, and they sense this. There's a stirring and a shaking in their heart. There's tremors. And the word there is actually fear, right? It's authority and it's fear. Um, the fear the fear that we have of true power, right, that can change us. The fear that we have authority that can gently turn us around and say, you're not walking in the right direction. Go this way. That, that kind of, I, I liken it to my fear of my, my father growing up, right? Authority, but like, fear, and maybe too much fear, but there's also that fear like, man, I need to get it together, (laughs) or like, I need change. Um, And that's what they're experiencing in the teaching and actions of Jesus. Even the unclean spirits, they obey him, and the news begins to spread. Another interesting piece is the secret, uh, the messianic secret that we see here. We'll see it in Mark, like, uh, where the demon's like, I know who you are. You're Jesus of Nazareth. And he's like, shh. Like, keep it on the DL. And I'm like, if you're the Messiah, why wouldn't you just say it? I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. Let's go. But there's this kind of, Keep it on the DL. Um, uh, we'll get into this more, but I think it's part of the mission of Jesus Christ. If we understand, like, there's the teaching and the, there's the healing and the demon casting going, but he's also calling disciples to himself, right? It's not about, like, it's not about the flash, Right? But it's also about people saying yes, people following not just because of what he can do, what he's doing miracle-wise, like not just the crowd, but followers, right? And that's what Jesus is calling to himself. Um, And that's what we want to be about in this church, right? We're definitely not a crowd in the sense of we're not this huge church, right? We're not gathering a crowd, but... I pray that God and the Holy Spirit is gathering disciples, people who want to be disciples in this church. Do you want to be disciples? Amen. Um, So as we go from this place, may we come to Jesus, um, come to the altar, bringing our maladies and our evil spirits and uh, the things that we need healing for, bringing them to God with the faith and the confidence that we can be freed and we will. Jesus has the authority to do amazing things in your life and in the life of those who love you. So believe and may God help our unbelief. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And thank you that your word um, is backed up by action and authority. It's just not words, empty words, but words that have impact and meaning in our lives. And so I pray that we can cling uh, to the, your words in scripture and to the words um, that your Holy Spirit puts in our hearts 
through prayer and through uh, sitting in community and rubbing off on each other in life together. And as we go out and uh, try to live and embody your good news as messengers. In Jesus' name, amen.